This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here is my perfect teamworking co-host, Jon. Yeah, I'm not speaking on purpose because of something that's going to happen later on in the things we're going to be discussing today, but... <laughs> but surely, they were a, a perfect... Uh, a perfect duo, a perfect team, a perfect psychologically safe and sound pair of something or others. Well, that all defined, that, that all depends on the definition of perfect. I mean, a master-slave relationship would also be considered perfect in certain circumstances. I'm not talking ethnic here, but more bedroom. <laughs> And on that note, moving towards today's article of choice, or at least today's topic of choice, where we are uh, still continuing the sort of culture-related conversation, uh, company culture-related conversation, though we're getting more into some of the specifics around particularly kind of uh, team organization, team culture, and how you know some people have done a decent amount of research into this and what they found interestingly jon disagrees with this article as he told me right before we started recording so this should be fun uh, well, but let's, I, I let's disagree see how the in the way goes. that i just said it depends on what you mean by perfect and it depends the article you found let's just put it on the screen it's an article of from where is my little page the new york times magazine it's behind a paywall you're allowed to read it once and then never again or something like that so i can't show more of this on the screen which is a good thing i guess copyrights and stuff like that but uh even though the title says what google learned blah blah, blah it's not a google article it's not written by google or set up by google it's just something that google apparently did and the new york times is writing about that and the content actually was um quite helpful <coughs> for me for in preparing this series and where last episode we kind of talked about the perfect company this uh, goes more into okay what, what's inside that how is the team's building culture happening to build uh, that, that perfect company on top of it so as you said it's more of a micro view on the instead of the macro view we had last time yeah and if, if you're at all like me whatsoever um, anytime you hear a, uh, a, oh, Google's doing this or Google's done this or look at this amazing thing that Google does, um, like I just tend to groan inside because like most, maybe not most, many of the things that come out of, um, of that just don't apply to the majority of other organizations just because of the way that Google operates the uh, the way they exist is, is so different to many other many other people. But, and I did inwardly groan when Jon actually brought this uh, this article to the table. But when I read it, I was surprised by it. Like it actually, uh, it actually, I actually thought it was a. It's a good article. But as Jon says, like when you work, if you, if you visit that page for the first time, um, you know, print to PDF when you first see it. Because you won't be able to view it again without a subscription so it's uh but it is really i found it really interesting and perhaps we'll go into some of the reasons why next but it's 
it's really divided into um, sort of a couple of different kind of segments. So first off is uh, they talk about the fact of what this particular project within Google uh, was all about. So they give sort of a, a quick step into what happens and they they essentially created two groups or you know, one group was uh, carefully sort of engineered uh, person, you know, differently selected people to work together. And, you know, everyone very sort of smart and curious and had gone to similar um, schools or colleges and had worked at uh, um, sort of similar organizations and similar backgrounds. And, you know, that was, that was one group that was specifically chosen because it was thought that those people would work very well together and would have, you know, so much similarity between them uh, that uh, it would be uh, a, a very tight knit group. And there was a, uh, a second group that was apparently voluntarily formed, which had people uh, from a wide variety of different experiences and backgrounds and all those kind of things. And that's, that's, this is how the sort of the conversation starts about basically, you know, one of these groups, the, the carefully engineered one actually kind of failed pretty um, spec well, maybe not spectacularly, but just failed to to generate the same kind of team and camaraderie as as the second group. But before we get into this, I'm wondering if this is some of your uh, issue with this uh, this article, for example. It doesn't really it doesn't really talk too much, and even the the larger article doesn't really talk too much about what this was all about so I, I'm not quite sure how those groups were like how how do you like, if well, you're going to pick a team of people or if you're going to like, have a team of people volunteer to join each other like do they know each other a little bit already yeah, but these the, the start of the article is actually the uh, person that's going to become the lead researcher for this project at google talking about her college days well not the real college days but the next she went back to college because she couldn't find uh, a satisfactory job situation and the first group was a uh, the college had kind of study groups built up around certain uh, educational uh, vocations and those were built to be the perfect groups because that's how it works uh, put like-minded people together stuff like that and the voluntary group was more a discussion group that she found uh, by accident of people just coming together brainstorming about stuff and doing fun things so basically the starting article i don't disagree with it's just a bit of a preamble let's say but to illustrate the fact that even outside a tightly controlled situation you have these things just happening you will get in your career in your private life thrown into groups that have been set by standards and should be high performing stuff and you will end up in the pub and just have a darts group or something like that or a billiard group happening spontaneously i mean Bit of extreme examples examples perhaps but in this case it was literally as they, as it said one was institutionally put together and the other one was just a hobby group let's say now because this was a um, master business uh, mba kind of situation 
uh, uh, curriculum situation, there was a definite goal for these groups. The goal was to become fully fledged, uh, how do you call that, uh, management materials of being able to do group cohesion, stuff like that. But the end result, we would expect that the one that has been tightly crafted and put together by the best standards of the time should be set up for success. In this example, and I think in by no means it, this is always going to happen. I can imagine that certain crafted groups function perfectly. But in this case, the perfectly crafted group didn't function well, didn't last long after the mandatory period they needed to be together, while the voluntary group kind of went on, on and on. And I think she's still in contact with some people there. And that's also something that I can yeah relate to. Problem I have here is a little bit the premise is already a bit faulty because any group you join voluntarily has already passed your bias. Any group you get thrown into gets loaded with extra bias because I don't want to be here, I have to be here. And the article never actually touches on that. It never actually touches on that kind of how you can poison a group before starting the group. Just by your your expectations or your prejudices or your the your... lack of free will. I mean, mm. very simple example happened to me yesterday. I got an invitation to a meeting to be part of a project, and the project leader just sent out next week. We have meeting. Do this. Would have been nice if I could ask. I would have said yes. It's a fun project. I want to do it. But because you get thrown in it like this, you automatically get, I mean, maybe it's just me. I'm, I'm a special yo-yo, I guess, but I don't think so. I think if you get pressured into something, if you don't feel you had a choice, you will automatically kind of fight it a little bit. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think, I think that is a good point. I think the, the natural reaction of being told to do something versus asked to do something is is a is a very typical human emotion I, i'm trying to think of um groups or projects or teams like this that i've been yeah just landed into previously versus those that have been asked to join or have volunteered to join and thinking back over those different groups there are certainly I can think of probably five or six I would say of those different voluntary groups where absolutely still in touch with with many of those folks even even today even some of them decades kind of later which is kind of surprising uh, to me in some cases like it it makes sense based on what we've just been talking about. And I'm not saying that these are people that, you know, I would be talking to or messaging every single day, but I, I definitely, uh, am still in communication to the, with those people, you know, know what they're up to generally in life. And, you know, they're, they're similarly, similarly aware of, of what I'm up to, but I think there are far fewer examples where I personally have been kind of just landed into 
teams or organizations. Um, so do you think that this is like a, a common problem or do you think, like, I, I can only speak from my experience and I, you can only speak from yours, but do you think this is a really, a really common problem or do you think more sort of uh, more stuff is done where it is, you know, people are volunteer, people volunteer things or people ask to join things or people are asked to join things. Oh. Is this artificial? Well, the reason that I actually picked up on this is because we're doing this corporate culture thing, because I think it's very ingrained in the corporate culture. Some mm. companies, some organizations have a, this is how we do it. We, up, up on high, we decide things and we push it down and you get resistance, irritations, and you have other companies, organizations that always do it bottom up. The people decide and C-level facilitates. Think both extremes are bad. Extremes are always bad. The middle ground is hard to find. Does it happen a lot? I would definitely say it happens too much. And I have dependent on, I mean, I've worked for a couple of companies in my career now, and there has different, definitely been different ways of doing this and not the way you would perhaps think if you watched or know the companies. Because it's something that's, I mean, if we talk about corporate culture, how this is an external and an internal thing, and the way these team, team forming, team grouping, decision making happens, is the one thing I've found to be least in sync externally and internally. And I mean, I don't want to name names because. I'm no longer at those companies, so probably things mm. have changed anyway, so no need to do that. But companies that I joined where I suspected it would be all organically uh, and just uh, call it chaos for all I care, were sometimes a little, well, much more regu regulated to be able to project that chaos uh, image. And some companies mm. where I thought, oh God, this is uh, going to be all by the book and by the Excel spreadsheet, turned out to be sure there's a lot of spreadsheeting there, but that actually gives you the framework to be able to have uh, chaos inside without it breaking up mm. the company. So it's uh, very hard to predict. Some, something else I've just been thinking about, as you mentioned that, is that uh, like some, something to be aware of is just because, let's say you've got a carefully curated, um, selected group on one hand and a totally volunteer, you know, all fuzzy happy group on the other uh, hand and if both of those groups are you know selected to produce something or deliver something or whatever what we're not saying is that one or the other of those groups would not be successful in delivering that um, mm -hmm. I've certainly seen uh, groups that have that, that actually, now I think about it more and more, meet this carefully curated, engineered selection of people specifically for their skills and knowledge and things like, who are plucked out of existing projects, put into deliver this particular special project, and they were successful. And I can, off the top of my head, I can probably think of two or three examples of this but what i think is really interesting is 
that to my knowledge, and I was not part of any of these groups, so it's it's me now thinking about how those teams interacted and, and what happened afterwards. But to my knowledge, none of those groups actually stayed together after they delivered that particular project. And in fact, what ended up happening in all of those cases is that um, new people had to actually be bought in to continue to drive that particular thing forward. Because that group, while it could execute and deliver, did not stay together. And I wonder if there are lots of reasons that that could be. That could be because there was a particular thing they needed to do at that point in time for that organization. They needed to deliver that. They needed the best people to do it. They did it. And once it was done, they could have other people kind of take it on from there. And those experts were really needed in other parts of the organization. Like That is possible. But I do know that while at least two of those teams were able to deliver, they were able to deliver it at, you know, some personal cost to some of them like it was it was a challenging um time to actually achieve that so the the sort of i don't know what the what the point i'm trying to get at is really but i i think that what we're not saying is that just because a, a group gets created and whether it's volunteers or people that are sort of dumped into a foxhole together to get on with it um like both both groups can can deliver against an objective but yeah do, some of it is like what's the experience like when you're delivering that like do you did you have a great time doing that did you enjoy it or did you just crank it out and then couldn't wait to go off and do something else yeah well let's just take it one step further there because why would that be important who cares if you had fun i mean um, looking back at my school days in Belgium, when I grew up, school was built to learn new things, teach you things. It wasn't supposed to be fun. In the Netherlands, where I live currently, school system has always been, it has to be fun and engaging so the children want to learn. Which one is best? I have no idea. But but, but just just quickly though, before we before you go any further any any further forward, like when you were younger and you were in school and, and the dinosaurs were roaming around and, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, you, you were sort of dodging the Tyrannosaurus Rex, you know, school had to be like that because it was a dangerous world out there. You know, the modern day is far softer and fluffier and we can afford to have a bit more fun. Surely that plays into it a little bit. My pet pterodactyl always protected me, so I had no issues with that <laughs> at all. That's when I can talk. Anyway, anyway, sorry. what I was trying to get at, because before I got so rudely interrupted, is you were mentioning the fact that both ways of forming a team can still fulfill the objective. The thing that I, that I had in mind, and you kind of very nicely set this up for me now, is the objective of the team group dynamic forming things to get the project objective or to create bonds between the people? Because the problem with the first kind, where you say yourself, they don't stay together, there's no cohesion, there's no loyalty. It doesn't mm. build anything except the objective of that 
group mm. whatever was set up for. Yep. And for me, and this is also something the article doesn't really go into, although there's some hints here and there, but for me, a good team is more than the sum of its components. On the one hand, the people in the, in the team, but also the personal for the person inside the team, apart from being able to have been built or created or constructed this beautiful thing, you have made relationships so that when a next team needs to be formed for another project, you have connections, you build on things. And earlier when you said on the voluntary groups, you still have, you still keep in touch with these people, not continuously, you don't go to the pub every week or something like that. But if, and if ever something comes up where you think, oh, I could use some help with that. Oh, hang on, I'll reach out to that guy. And in a company, in an, in an organizational structure, I think that is in the long term far more important than the fact that we've built website version 3.25 with 10% less code, whatever. That's how the culture, that, that's part of the company culture. That's part of how the company can grow, can make more out of the pieces they were starting out with by not just having products, projects work, but actually enriching the people inside those, those teams to make the people better people and better team players, better components of the big machine that is the organization. And for me, I don't know, I'm not a manager, so I shouldn't be talking about this perhaps, but I would be very disappointed if this was not part of every time a managerial person puts together a team that he also add somebody or a couple of people to the team who might not be the best persons for the job at that moment, mm. but to, in order to get them and so on and so on. Because if you always keep the people that aren't good team players, whatever that may mean, out of the teams, they will never be able to become a good team player because it's a muscle. Yeah. It's something you need to be trained at, something you need to do. And that should also be a big part of it. And I was kind of sad that the article didn't touch on that aspect at all. That being said, it's already fairly lengthy article. This they had to draw the line somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Now I I I wonder as again as you were talking about this, I was wondering like how how far up do you think perhaps perhaps this is an abstraction thing? So if you're maybe talking about you know, the, the direct manager of the team, they should care about this thing very holistically. They should care about the personalities involved. They should care about the uh, the fact that everyone is, you know, is engaged together and that it is a, it is a, a good kind of productive, happy, engaging team. And then, you know, the next level up from that cares that the work is being done and cares that things are progressing well cares somewhat less about the the bonds that are being formed and all this kind of and the, the further you get up the organization when you get to the top all they really care about is that things things are getting delivered to a schedule and they, they trust they trust that all of those other things are happening but that that um that level of focus on that on, on those other elements of the team are delegated. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, do you think that's fair? Uh, to a point, but I don't think it should go up down. It should go lateral because mm -hmm. uh, there's a difference here. You can have a team that's a uh, single discipline with a bunch of mm -hmm. developers and you make it a program. 
fairly easy. The people already know each other. You're in a team because you're working in the same department. And if you don't function there, you're probably going to go away anyway and find another job or you do fit in well and you have the group already there. So I don't see a problem there at all. Well, there are problems, <laughs> but that's not the focus, I think, here. The focus is more on the more heterogeneous uh, project where you kind of pick people from different departments to get together, have a fully multidisciplinary group, whatever you want to call that. And at that point, you have uh, two hierarchies, if you want to. You have the people manager, who those single people report to. Mm. And you have the project manager, the project leader. Mm, yeah. And yeah. that project leader is kind of a dotted line, whatever, a, a lateral and not in the up-down uh, hierarchy there. The project manager should be looking at, okay, I need to build this thing. I've got these people to my, at my disposal, so that's what I have to do it with. The project leader should have some say in what kind of profiles get added to the project, but not who gets added to the project. That should be left though, uh, left to the people managers, so the, the the people that above the the persons in the in, in the teams, or maybe one level higher up. Kind of depends on how shallow or deep the organizational structure mm. is, I guess. And that for me kind of yeah, solves quote quote the problem you're positing there, where the people person, the people manager, is looking at the uh, how can I build, uh, how can I make this person grow, and the project yep. manager is looking at. How can I make my project successful? And in an ideal world, that all works out. Yeah. No, that 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 actually makes a lot of sense. Think it? <laughs> God, I start making sense. We have to stop this episode right now. <laughs> well, there, there's a few other. We're, this, is, as Jon mentioned, this is quite a long article, so we're going to split this up into a few different chunks. But there's a few kind of other things I think we can still kind yeah. of talk about here, which, which again you know, make make perfect sense. But the one of them that I actually quite like, um, and again, like you would think it's common sense, uh, but uh, as a friend of mine often says, common sense is not actually all that common. But He's analyzing- himself again. <laughs> that's right. Uh, analyzing and improving individual workers, and the, in quotes they use the term, employee performance optimization isn't enough. And the the i i see this being kind of uh really important like i for example when i'm recruiting especially when i'm growing a team um that's uh you know a, a small team or a, a team that's kind of growing uh, really quickly the most important thing for me is that uh, the team members themselves you know work with each other well like they are collaborative and they uh, help each other because when you're a small team you need to rely on each other and as, if you're in a small team in a fast moving organization where the technology is moving quickly and evolving quickly then you know you've got new people ramping up you've got the technology moving and evolving quickly and all these things are very fast moving so no one can know everything so you you have this nature even yon so you have this sort of situation where you really want everybody to feel that they can ask anybody else for help and that they will not just ask but they will they will receive that help and you know that you get um in far larger organizations you 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 probably see or hear this concept of like you know the, the lone wolves the people who just go off 
do their own thing, are very successful at what they do, but they don't really help the the greater good. And you know, this is one of the things that I, especially early on in an organization, I avoid like the plague because you can't afford to have people that aren't contributing back uh, to the greater good. Now that's just one of the things that I kind of fundamentally uh, believe in. But this to me speaks to this whole kind of, you know, those individual lone wolves can be excellent. They can be absolutely brilliant at their job, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will work well in a in a team format. And one of the things that we've we've said a number of times even this year, especially when we were talking about microservices and, and that sort of evolution, is that um, technology is, is continues to get more and more complex. And so we have more and more abstraction layers because of the increased complexity and like it's a it's an arms race to a certain extent. But this means that again, like to, to my point earlier, you often can't contain all of the knowledge that you would need to successfully do everything in in one brain. So you have to collaborate more with people. And so this this concept of of teams is it's not just about, you know, a formal team being put together to deliver a project. It's it is I think you're, you're absolutely right. Like it is a culture thing. It is a uh, you can think of teams on the, the the micro level of individual groups of people put together to deliver something. But you can also think of teamwork in a far kind of wider scale. Uh, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, which is why I completely disagree with the quote you put from the came from the article, because when they say employee performance optimization isn't good enough, well, getting people to be good team players is part of increasing employee performance. True. So, but I, but, but they they true yes yes but they I think are talking about. But I think that they're talking fact. about purely they're the individual. And there yeah. isn't a differentiation. The fact that you make a differentiation, that you see yeah, yeah. being a team player as not part of being a better, better, better individual, that's fundamentally wrong. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> okay. Agreed. Like it is. I fully, like, fully agree with that. But, but still, I, looking at HR processes and stuff like that, they be, the world still sees that two different things. You can either be a good person or a good team player no disagree with that and like that yeah it's a bit charged i agree yeah like that's that's definitely certainly speaking for my my current employer and the the processes and how we um you know how we look at and assess individuals like the ability to work as a team is a huge part of how we assess people through their um you know through through their careers so yeah, I, I I think this whole this whole kind of thing is very is incredibly um, incredibly important. But I find the next piece a little bit kind of or the next comment a little bit weird, which is that I can't work out whether or not they're talking about specifically teams of these carefully curated teams, or they're talking about the ad hoc team, or they're just talking about teams in general. But they mention that teams tend to innovate faster, see mistakes more quickly, and find better solutions to problems. Uh, uh, do you think that they're talking about like 
just a team doing something versus an individual doing something? Yeah, it's the lone wolf thing. The problem with the lone wolf okay. is that you always have uh, blinkers on because you have yeah, yeah. your own expertise and that's where you're doing things in. If you never look around and I'm in a room here that has blue and white, okay, green doesn't exist for me. And basically yeah. that's the thing. I would the thing point that at the elephants here. behind you, but never mind. I'm looking forward. <laughs> <laughs> I know, hence the blinkers. It's a, it's a, exactly, it's a great exactly. point. Exactly, exactly. No, no. And, it, I mean, okay. that's what I mean. That, that makes sense in that case. Um, because even a bad team should probably still outperform a couple of lone wolves. Yeah. Because yeah. even in, I mean, if, if, if it doesn't do that, then it's not really a team at that point. It's just individuals sitting in a room together. Yeah, I would something that you mentioned earlier actually has just bubbled up into my brain. So if if the audience fancies rewinding about you know three or four minutes into our conversation, you can insert this snippet. But like you were talking about um, uh, teams being involving um, you know, different levels of of people, you know, people that are maybe not seen as 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 good a team player or as experienced a person or whatever. Um, like one of the things that you commonly see um, as, I mean, I've seen it for a very long time, but I've been in the vendor space for a very long time. I'm assuming it's reasonably common outside, but in fact, I know it is common outside of the vendor <laughs> space <laughs> as I think about it. But, you know, you see subject matter expert groups or tiger teams or, you know, sets of people um not necessarily pulled out of their day jobs, but sets of people kind of aligned to provide a focus towards a particular maybe technology or industry vertical or problem the organization is facing. And, you know, that, as I say, they're not extracted from their day-to-day -day role. They're just, um, you know, given a bit of extra time or, you know, given time out of their working schedule to focus on a particular challenge together and usually in many many cases that is a cross-functional group mm -hmm. and usually it's also um, a group that has people of a variety of different experiences and some of this is exactly what you were saying earlier about making sure that you're also you know to, to a certain extent training the next generation yeah. of of experts in that sort of thing you know you you see uh, or certainly many people uh, learn better from you know seeing other people doing certain things rather than just reading about them or theorizing them it, it's always often people find it better to to see this stuff happening live so yeah, and that, not just passively also just being part of a team as a novice forces yeah. you to do things you would otherwise do sort of interrupting yeah yeah no no that's, that's absolutely right so sorry about that um um temporal uh, confusion but we will now return to the uh, no, i kind of want to stay on the bifurcation for a second longer because yeah, yeah um i agree that the whole concept of sme groups uh is quite prevalent especially in the technology world where we live in yeah. it also has a bad effect which is i'm not entirely sure how how bad it is hmm. but it also kind of sends the message to the people who are not in the sme group that that topic you shouldn't care about. I, there's an SME group for that, so I don't have to take I don't have to take this into account. I don't have to be careful. Do if you I, think? I mean, it's the problem with singling out people or a group of people for a specific task, 
which automatically pushes away all the rest of them. And again, I have no idea how bad it is or not, but I've it's something that plays in my mind when I hear a new Tiger team being set up for to tackle blah. And I know personally, if I'm in the group or not in the group, I have a different reaction to the group, <laughs> mm. which is all natural, I guess. I don't know. See, I think that that may be more personal to you. Bottom I don't know. I, I, we're only we're only two data points here, so I, we technically could draw a line between the two, but it may or may not make any sense. I, I when I'm when I hear that, I always, I, I suppose maybe my my glass is more half full in, in this particular kind of example. But I always think <laughs> a little bit, but maybe my, my thought is always great. Like now I know the the audience of people that I can go and bring into conversations when I have a, a challenge and I can learn from them and, you know, maybe participate in some cases but you know really there's probably other things that i can i can spend my time on so i i yeah, exactly maybe that's so you will never the same get coin. that knowledge part because you kind no, of it's, find it's it out not that you'll, <laughs> no but you i mean i would say that that's in my experience that's been false because you if you engage you know someone from a team like that you usually learn a lot when you engage that person and you know, it, I agree it is possible for, yeah, so it's definitely possible for people to have that experience and have that mindset and they just, they bring in, and I agree actually now I think about it more, I've definitely seen that where people bring in an SME and then basically check out. But I think that's a, I think that's a bad, I think that's a bad behavior, honestly. Like I think you that's calling a, me a bad person now. I think I could be, yes. I think that personally, if you engage those folks, you should be learning from them and, you know, participating and, and bettering yourself. But I do agree that I have actually seen that, that same behavior where people engage experts and then just think, oh, great, that's off my plate. I'll go and do something else. And that's not in my, my personal worldview. Like that's not how I see that. So yeah, you're not people engaging that do them, that are, you're outsourcing to them. Yeah. And that's, again, not how teams work, not how yeah. the culture should be enforcing things. Indeed. Anyway, we're running a little bit long. So let's, let's wrap <laughs> no up with this, uh, with this one um, set of thoughts. So th this, believe it or not, the last like, 38 plus minutes that we've been talking has actually just been the preamble, just the <laughs> intro to the article. So God knows how many parts this is going to be. But the, the kind of cliffhanger that we'll leave you on is that Google's top, top executives long believed that building the best teams meant combining the best people, it's better to put introverts together, and that teams are more effective when everyone is friends away from work, etc. And it turns out that no one had really studied which of those were true, if any. That's common sense. Common sense, not that common. And on that cliffhanger, unless you have anything else, add anything else? Nope, we're all done. That's all the time and a bit more than we have for today. You can support the podcast, become a Patreon. Contributions do help us. If you're on YouTube, you can see us there in full live action. 
I even tried to do some editing on the fly, which sometimes goes wrong. <laughs> Uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, of course, uh, make Dave happy. You can still go to www.roaringalpha.org. There's links there to the Patreon page, to the YouTube page, and other, a lot of information about the podcast itself. You can follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send any information, feedback, potential podcast topics to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is I'm a Bad Boy, Jon. And my name is clearly I'm a Good Boy, Dave. And we look forward to correcting that next week. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> See you then.